0: Well, two weeks ago, um, we started with uh, Matthew 28, and we started talking about how the, 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 the mission that we as the body of Christ have is to make disciples. The Bible says nothing about making Christians. It says, it says everything about making disciples. So every one of us in this room... If you have called upon the name of Jesus, if you've asked him into your heart, that commission that Christ gave his disciples has now been given to us, that we are therefore to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Remember we talked about that two weeks ago. And I talked about there's 267 references in the Bible about making disciples, and there are no references to making Christians. It was just, there's three scriptures that they were called Christians, first called Christians in Antioch. There's three passages. And so we started talking about making disciples, and that we we began to even talk about how because we've not been good at making disciples, that the body of Christ has quickly become and has started to look like the world. We've started to not, there's not much of a difference between the body of Christ and the people in the world in our lifestyles, in our habits, in the things that we give ourselves to. We talked about how the divorce rate in the church is just as high as it is in the world. Men are addicted to porn just as much in the church as they are outside the church. We talked about all kinds of statistics and we're going, wow, we've got to change that. Even in our church, we have to change that. Can I have an amen to that? That we have to change, that we have to become true disciples. And so I started last, that last time, and I'm, I'm going to show you the passage of that scripture. I think it is on. Yeah. If we could get that started, guys. There's that passage. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded Tell you what, I worshiped so screaming so much, my voice is half shot already. Wow. But last time I preached, I started to talk about what is a disciple. And so the last time we looked at this, these are some of the things we talked about. What is a disciple? A disciple is focused on following Jesus. A disciple is a learner, a pupil or student. A disciple is not just someone that believes in Christ. A disciple wants to receive instruction. A disciple puts that instruction into practice. A disciple denies his life and lays it down. And so we talked a little bit about what a disciple is that a couple weeks ago. And so we talked about how following Christ and his ideas, it's, it's kind of funny because you know, if you look at our natural world or our, in our children, my children are at a different place spiritually than I am. Your kids are a different place. You know, your children are a different place. And, and it's one thing to believe in Christ, and it's a different thing to follow Christ. Do you realize that? It's it's two different things, and really what I'm trying to do, my goal for today is I want to do an assessment today. I hope by the time I get done preaching today and sharing this message, I hope that there's some type of assessment that you begin to do in your own heart about where you're at in the discipleship process, that you're able to say, yep, that's, that's where I'm at. And then we'll begin to be able to move from that, and you'll be able to get, we're going to go into what we need to do as believers and as disciples and where we need to head. And so I want to begin today about this last one, a disciple denies his life and lays down his life. I'm getting ready to read a scripture with you, and I want you to to pay attention to how Jesus, what he says in this passage. This, we'll just go there. This is in Matthew 16. And Jesus is starting to talk about what a disciple does. And in 16, verse 24, thanks guys, appreciate that. If anyone, this is what Jesus said. Does anybody like what Jesus says? If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose his life. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. Jesus said this from himself, and the word that sticks out to me is the word if. That is a conditional word. My children do not have to become disciples of Christ, and you do not have to become disciples of Christ. It is a choice. God is looking for voluntary lovers. And what I found in my own life, the more I fall in love with Jesus Christ, it does not become about duty. It's easy to deny myself when I fall in love with Christ. But it is not easy to follow Christ if I'm not in love with him. It is very hard and it is a very difficult road to do the things that Christ teaches us to do. It's very, very difficult. So we have to foster our love. And I love what my wife did last week when she shared last week about soaking In God's presence and how it's hard to hit a moving target with the the water of God as he's trying to water us and trying to soak us with his word and trying to do the things he's wanting to do when we're so busy wasn't that a good message we're like a sponge we're supposed to soak in God's presence but I know for my own life if if I'm not cultivating my love for Christ All of what we're getting ready to talk about is just duty. It's just rules and regulations. It has no life. And the last thing I want to do is to put you in more bondage. (laughs) When we're starting to move into what a disciple is, the last thing I want to do is to, oh my gosh, I can't do that. Because yes, you can. But it's going to take a heart that's ravished for Christ. It's going to take a love and it's going to take something that that only he can give us because we can't not do it in our own strength. Can I have an amen on that? I am just not that good. But when I begin to behold him and I begin to love him and he begins to love me, what we're getting ready to talk about today is very possible. So this word if, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. See, a disciple moves from believing to following. I want to say that again. A disciple moves from just believing in Christ, receiving him as Savior, and moves to following. And here's what's happened in the body of Christ most people stay at just believing. A little dab will do you. They stay with just believing in Christ, but they don't move to following. They don't move to being a student of the Lord. They don't move to what is the instruction from heaven, and Lord, what are you wanting me to do, and how do you want me to live, when your enemy comes against you and you find the word saying, love your enemy, and you're going, no, I don't want to follow Christ. I don't want to love my enemy. You know, When the word says, pray for those who despitefully use you, and you go, wow, that's the instruction from heaven. How do I love today? I talk, was speaking with somebody this morning about love. And you know, I get to this place where my love's challenged. It's been challenged all week. I've wanted, to, I've wanted to shut my love off. I've wanted to say, no, I want to put conditions on my love. And then I hear the word of God go, Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. I want to be a student of my Lord. I want to walk in that love. Right. I want to go for that. I want to be an example of Christ. Yep. When it gets hard to love, I want to love well. Amen. And when the, when, the, when the water table gets up and the chaos happens around your life and you want to freak out, The Lord wants to stabilize my heart and show me how I can have peace in the midst of a storm. He wants to stabilize my life where I don't have to go into chaos mode and psycho mode, but I can stay in peace and I can stay in calm because he teaches me. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul as I learn of him and as I become a disciple of him. Oh, that's how I'm to do it. It's like you teenagers, people can get cross with you at school, they can make fun of you, they can do all kinds of stuff. And if you're going to be a disciple of the Lord, you've got to go, "How does the Lord want me to react this way?" What we tend to do is we return evil for evil. That's right. We smack back. And God says, "No, even teenagers, you need to learn of me, not me as an Eric, me as of the Lord. That's right. The Lord says, "I want you to learn of me. There's a different way to live." That is contrary to the world. That's what we're talking about becoming a disciple. We become a learner of his ways. We become a learner of his heart. We become a learner of how he would do things. And then we have to go, okay, God, how do I do that? Because my flesh wants to, or my flesh wants to, or my flesh wants to run, quit, give up. Hide in a hole. Sleep all night. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe if I act like it's not there, it'll be okay by morning. Or put it in a bottle or whatever. Because the world has all kinds of ways of dealing with stuff, right? So let's look at the scripture. If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself. What do you guys think deny himself means? Deny himself. I gave you just a few examples, but I'm going to go into Webster's, I'm going to go into the Greek on what this is talking about. Because if you want to come after him and be his disciple, these are the things we have to do. We need to learn from him. The word deny in the Greek here means to refrain from satisfying one's own desires or needs for someone else. I'm going to repeat it again. You may want to write it down. To deny myself means I'm going to refrain from satisfying my own desires, my own needs for someone else. So I'm going to satisfy Christ, and I'm going to deny my own needs, my own wants, my own desires to satisfy his. So when the conflict comes in my life, and I want to give up on my love, and I want to not give my love away, but I want to be a conditional with it. I have to give up my desire, my need to be respected, my need to be whatever, are you with me, for his. That it becomes not about me and my ways, my desires, but it becomes, wow, I am a disciple. I have got to be conformed to your ways. How many know that that's a difficult road? In a culture that is all about satisfying me, myself, and I. You've heard me say it, the unholy trinity. Me, myself, and I. I've been on the throne of my life way too many times. Anybody else? I don't know about you, but I found that it doesn't work well. To practice self-denial... Or to refuse, here's what I like. Practicing self-denial is really about refusing to acknowledge ownership of my life. Sure. Self-denial is to refuse to acknowledge ownership of my life. I don't own my life. Who owns it? How much it, what was the purchase price? Does anybody know the purchase price for your life? His very life. We forget that, don't we? Karen and I were it talking in the bedroom. You guys ever do bedroom talk? And uh I was not wanting to love well and all that kind of stuff and she uh she started to remind me. She goes, uh, Eric, your life's really not rough. (laughs) You're really making it about you right now. And she reminded me of a family that we've been standing for, Ryan up in Michigan, who is paralyzed from the chest down. He's 15 years old, and she talked about him a little bit last week. And uh, they moved this weekend. They got into another house. The church is letting them use their parsonage. And Life is just chaotic for that family. Mom's taking care of him 24 hours a day. She's wore out. She's tired. They have a 11-year-old Down syndrome boy that they've adopted. He took off yesterday while they were moving. They didn't know it, and he rode his bike four four miles away, and they all of a sudden decided he wasn't at home. And they were like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, you start to think about other people's lives of how rough they really are. You All of a sudden, you not wanting to love becomes real small. <laughs> You know, all of a sudden, and what we do is we get. In, and I, I'm just being honest with you. I kind of got into wine fest. Did anybody ever get into wine fest? And I'm not talking about bottle of wine. I don't do wine. <laughs> you know, you start to oh, things just weren't quite going the way I wanted them to go. Right? Nobody ever has that around here, right? And I had to start practicing this thing of denying my flesh, denying ownership of my rights and my desires. That this scripture was, I don't want to say haunting me, but it was crying loud. Because, see, that's the way I do. I mean, I was even talking with Connie about an issue uh, dealing with us. And I said, Connie, I'm just, I need to, I, I'm trying to discern what the Word of God says. And I was, in, I was going through some scriptures and about denying self ultimately and putting others first. And I was like, I, I was struggling even yesterday when I talked to her on the phone, wasn't I? And I can't go into the details of the whole thing. It had nothing to do with you guys, per se. And I go, Connie, am I thinking right or am I being selfish? She goes, oh, you're being selfish. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She goes, no, I know what you mean. I understand what you're saying. But I was still, there was the scripture that was going in my mind. What you do the least of these, you do unto me also. You know, and the scripture was going through my heart of, ah, Lord, I don't want to love that way. I want to love this way. Does that bear witness with anybody? There was this war, the battle going on inside of my heart, wanting to live for Christ and to be a disciple of his and follow his ways and saying, what does that look like, God? Is this love or is this love? And he reminded me of the parable that Jesus talked about the wedding feast and how he went out and he invited all these people to come to the wedding feast. And nobody showed up. Nobody wanted to come. And so then he told his servants, just go out and just invite anybody who wants to come, the least, the poor, the needy, anybody wants to come, have them come. I've got a banqueting table. And the Lord was using that scripture on me yesterday. See, that's how I wore. How about you guys? That's how I become a disciple of the Lord. I look in the Word. I try to do that with my children. I say, well, you know, this is what the Word says. Oh, there you go again, Dad. You're preaching at me. (laughs) No, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm trying to help you become a disciple of Christ. That it's not my opinion. This actually comes from the Lord, not me. I'm only repeating. I'm plagiarizing today, church. I did not say this as I try to teach my children to deny themselves. I did not come up with this. And they have to come to the conclusion well, I either want to follow Christ or I don't. If, and sometimes they do, and sometimes that's sad they don't. Just like every one of you. Sometimes you follow Christ and sometimes you don't. Do I have a witness? Ooh, give me five, give me 10, 10, 40. twenty, twenty, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five, forty. We're up to fifty, 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 70. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 don't follow Christ. We make a choice to do it our way instead of denying ourselves. But disciples, disciples say, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ. I gotta learn how God does it. And then I let it reflect. Because see what a disciple is, is they are an imitator of the one they're following. It was funny, I'm not going to pick on the guys, but I know of a person in this church that's discipling somebody else, and I watched that person worship today, and they were worshiping like the one they're being discipled by. They did this. Because they follow somebody because they're being discipled by them wouldn't take many times to figure that one out. But we begin to imitate. You know, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Imitate me. Now, there's parts of Eric you don't want to imitate. There's parts of you I don't want to imitate. Because we're immature in certain aspects of our life. But there's some aspects of my life that I really have in order. I'm growing in others. Self-discipline. Joel came up to me the other day. He He said, Dad, I think you need a little discipline in that area. I said, ouch. I may need to follow you, son. He's got a lot more control in that area than I do, that's for sure. But even that is discipleship. Can I have an amen on that? So to be a disciple... Here's what I want to say, because we're in a process of becoming disciples. Teenagers, you are in a process of becoming a disciple of the Lord. You may may fail at times, but God wants you to follow him. God wants you to learn how he does things. Because I promise you, teenagers, if you do it God's way, it is always better. You may think your way is better, but I promise you, it will lead you to hell in a handbasket. Adults, it's not just them, it's us, right? But we've got to reach this generation. But we're in this process, and here's what I want to say. I want to move us from having our rights to giving up our rights. I want to move us from self-leadership to Christ-leadership. If you want to come after me, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny ownership of yourself. Goodness. God let that sink in. You got to move from selfishness in my way to God's way. You got to move from being the pilot to being the co-pilot. you got to move from you being in the lead of your life to Christ being in the lead of your life. Amen. Right. And I don't find that many people who are willing to take the cost of discipleship, to move from believing to following. It's hard to find. I find that, we've talked about it at the Why? People get in all excited about getting an exercise, and it lasts, what, January? February, a couple months? But discipleship, that word is where we get the root word discipline. And that is no fun to preach a message like that. Discipline. Because what does Hebrews 12, 11 say? Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but... Painful, but in time, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Trained by what? Discipline. Discipline. The discipline is actually training. You know, the way we're going to turn this monster around in our culture where kids don't respect authority, you know how you're going to get that? We We have to respect authority, but you know where it all starts? You have to tell yourself no. Respect, I have so much respect for authority, coaches, referees, and that kind of stuff because, man, I'm telling you, my mom and dad taught me respect of them. Right. And when I try to teach my children respect, sometimes they get mad at me because it takes discipline. It takes giving up your way, your rights, and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I am a disciple of the Lord. I'm not going to do it my way. Man, that's tough. Anybody having problems with that? Oh, yeah. Self-control. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Well, we're moving. Can I say we're going to move? We're going to move. You see, there is a cost to discipleship, and the cost is high, and it's going to cost you the ownership of your life. And I have been bought with a price, and we're going to go there. But like I said earlier, lovers are the ones that are going to make the greatest disciples. Amen? Amen. Lovers can do it. And so my question today is, have you moved from being a believer to a follower? Because we're talking about this thing, and my question to you is this. Are you a disciple of Christ? Or are you a partial disciple of Christ? Is there an in-between? I am a disciple of Christ on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday belongs to me. <laughs> Here's what I want to go with this. I was dating this beautiful bride of mine back in 1984. That's when long hair was in. Oh, boy, that would have been good. I could have put a picture of thin me and thin you. Or, <laughs> real, no, you're, you're already thin. Woo, man, I just jumped in and horned and said, you're art thin. I mean, everybody knows that. Golly, have mercy. Open mouth, insert foot. That's the hair. Yeah, she's thinner in her hair. That's what I meant. <laughs> Thanks for bailing me out, baby. Now, back in 1984... I know this is hard for you guys to believe, but this is funny. I was kind of playing the field. She had this kind of crush on me, and I was an RA at Ball State, and I was, you know, there was a lot of girls. (laughs) I was a Christian, she was in my Bible study, she was in my marketing class. She sat behind me and watched me flirt with girls. I wasn't a sanctified guy at the time, but you know, I didn't carouse and I didn't fool around, I didn't do all that kind of garbage. I really didn't. I've only been with her, okay? But boy, I love to flirt with the girls because I was a people pleaser. And they made me feel good if I was able to attract them to me, even though I didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so we go to Cannonsburg, Michigan. I take my floor of guys about 20 guys in my floor, and her floor of girls go, and we go to Cannonsburg, Michigan, for a weekend ski trip. Can you see this stud on the ski slopes? (laughs) 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 And so, I'm going somewhere with this. This is going to be good. You guys are going to like this. Because it relates to discipleship. It really does. And so, we're in the pool, and, you know, I'm throwing girls, and... Karen's trying to get my attention and the girls are just all over the place and she's trying to get my attention and I, I kind of do both things. Oh, yeah, hey, sweetie. And then a guy starts to hit on her. We have a problem in Houston. And all of a sudden, there was a different emotion in there that I had never had before. And then she, then after that trip... I start to kind of like her a little more. And then after that trip, she goes on spring break with some girlfriends to Florida. I start to have some jealousy kind of things starting to rise up. Now, this is spring, so we have went from February, and now we're March. I mean, my first date with her was Thanksgiving, so we're just talking two or three months here, you know. And so... She goes to Florida, and I'm wondering, I'm sure she's having a good time, and I'm missing her, and things are just starting to happen on the inside. Anybody been there? She comes back from spring break, and now it's time to, in my mind, define the relationship. (laughs) We need to have the talk of how I feel and how you feel. I was no longer wanting to be a weekend lover. I was no longer wanting just to have her on the side. I was no longer wanting to have other girls. I was wanting her. And there came this defining moment in my heart, and I know it's stopped taking place in hers. And here's what we do with Jesus. We do the same thing with him. We want weekend love. We want a weekend relationship, but we don't want the commitment. But I had to have that moment-to-moment talk with her where I said, I want to make a commitment to you. And I want you. And I find as disciples, we play around with Christ. And we are adulterous people. And we want him just on the weekend, Sunday morning. And we don't want to commit to him. It's like last Sunday. Man, the Spirit of God was moving and Rachel said, my chips are all in. And we don't get to this place where we want to make commitment. And I think part of the problem is the fornication of our culture. Is sex has become a something that is you do with friends. Marriage has been torn down, and we're tr- we're struggling as a culture of defining it between a man and a woman only. And we want the benefits of marriage without the commitment. We want the benefits of a relationship without commitment, without sacrifice. I tell you what, there's things I do for my wife not because she asked me or not because, but I love her. I wash windows because I love her. (laughs) Dude, I washed windows last week and I was a sweaty mess. Not out of duty, but that sacrifice was because I love her. And that love will make me do crazy things. When I dated her, I'd drive hours to go see this woman. I would go without sleep. But we fall asleep when we spend time with Jesus. We can't even keep our head awake. So there's radically something wrong with our love. It's not about duty. It's not rules and regulations. I will lay my life down for this woman because of my love. But what about being a disciple of Christ? I think God's wanting to define the relationship today in all of our hearts. He's wanting us to do some spiritual assessment on where is our love for Christ. Because a true disciple, they follow. They follow. They don't lead. Now, before I make you miserable, I want you to realize that discipleship is not an event. It is a process. Excuse me. Discipleship is not an event. It's a process of maturing. Can I have an amen on that? There are spiritual stages of maturity. There's the spiritually dead, those who are not followers of Christ, those who do not know God. And there are some in this room that do not know God. And I pray that you feel conviction by the Spirit of God today. And I pray you'll come see me after service. Because I want you to lead you to the one you need to be following. Because you need to become a disciple of the Lord. There's nothing like it. But we move from from spiritually dead to being an infant, a newly born believer in Christ. And then we move from that to a child, just like our natural body, to a young adult where we're growing and conquering sin and becoming a parent, growing and helping others. I mean, there is a spiritual process. And every one of you are somewhere in this thing. I've got scriptures that I could go through on each one of these, and I'm not going to today. Because of time and... But I wonder, where are you at in that process? It is Mother's Day, Eric. Right? My, my, what I find is most people think they're further along on that list than what they really are. Now, what I've done is I'm going to give you a website so where you can do a spiritual assessment. You guys like websites? If you've got a piece of paper, get out you're gonna be able to ask some questions and that asking those questions, if you'll really be honest with the questions, I will tell you right now, if you answer a five on all the questions, you will be a parent. (laughs) And you can fake this test if you want and it will give you no bearing on where you're at on this. But if you really wanna know where you're at, the reason it's important to find out where you're at is it's gonna determine what you do for becoming greater in your training right there spiritual maturity test write that down That just changed words. Did you do that? Yeah, diaper. Like you change a diaper? It is D-I-E-P-E-R-D-I-N-G. Diaper. Diaper ding. I don't know why it's that. Trust me. I just found it online, okay? It's really weird. D-I-E-P. E-R-D-I-N-G-E dot com backslash test dot H-T-M-L Is that what's out there? I'll tell you what, if you'll go online I took this I found out I was a little baby No (laughs) Teenagers I would do it just to see where you're at and if you'll honestly take it, it will tell you where you're at in the process. But here's what I want you to do also. I want you to ask the Lord to judge you. Ask the Lord, Lord, where am I at in the process? Because what I find, and I could have taken you to Ephesians. I got a bunch of scriptures here. I mean, this one right here. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are so slow to learn. In fact, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's all about learning God's ways. Can I have an amen on that? Discipleship is all about learning God's ways. Maturing and learning God's ways. And once you know where you're at in the process... You, need, you now know where you need to work. You know where you need to get discipling from. Who to ask for help. One of the things you need to do is ask for help. You need to ask people in this congregation for help. Could I have an amen on that? Amen. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna sum this puppy up. Spiritual maturity must become intentional for you. We never grow unless we see our deep need for God and his ways, and we want to change. There are people in my life that don't want to change. There are people in my life that they just want me to comfort them, but they don't want spiritual change. Disciples want change. Okay. So, where are you at in the process? Let's define the relationship. Are you just dating God? Are you just a fan or are you a follower? I think we got a lot of fans. See, I don't know much about the Pacers. I hope they win their series. I'm kind of a fan, but I don't follow the Pacers. And I find in the body of Christ, most people are fans of Christ. But they're not followers. And the Bible warns us in Matthew 7, Jesus had just taught the Sermon on the Mount. I like this stool. When you worship for 45 minutes, then preach for 45 minutes, you feel it in your feet. Jesus said in Matthew 7, He said it, not me. He said there's going to be fewer people in heaven than you think. He actually said that broad is the path that leads to destruction. And the path is easy. And he said most people are on it. But he said narrow is the path that leads to life. And he even said, it's a hard road. And few be there that find it. I'm just suspicioning. The Lord's been really working on my heart of how I am responsible for sheep. And that I have to tell the truth. And there are many in this room that are going to hell. And I hate that. And if I was to get hit by a truck tomorrow, I told my daughter a couple times in a row, I said, if I never see you again, know that I love you. Because if I get hit today, and I haven't warned you, that there's more to being a disciple than just believing. You have to put the chips on the table and you have to get all in. because when I go to see Jesus, I have a different responsibility than you have because he has been given something to me. And I have a spiritual responsibility to you folks. And I cannot imagine any of you going to hell on my watch. And I pray that you begin to get a conviction in your heart that no one goes to hell on your watch including your children, including your friends, your family. I think 100 souls being one to Christ in 2014 is way too low. There's probably 20 or 30 in here that need to know Christ truly if the percentages of what they're saying is true. So I want you to define the relationship. Could you just bow your head with me? Are you a weekend warrior? (laughs) Are you having adultery with Christ or are you actually sold out to Him? Are you a disciple of the Lord? Have you moved from believing to following? For the Word of God says, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, says the Lord. The Spirit of God is here today to bring definition and conviction And maybe today you just simply, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your salvation. I'm trying to get you to commit your relationship to Christ today. To move the ball down the field. Though we fall short in our obedience to God, it should be obvious in our life that we're moving the ball down the field. And that we're moving from being just a believer to being a follower. Smiling, Holy Spirit, would you convict us? Father, it's Mother's Day, and I know we have mothers to go see. But there's no one more important right now, God, than you. Would you convict us, oh God? But Lord, I will want you to take us to a commitment. I want you to take us to a place where we are all in and we're saying, yes, we will follow you. Are you a disciple of the Lord? Are you a follower? Only you can answer that question. But what we're going to do is we're going to allow the Spirit of God to work on our hearts just for a few minutes here. Would you do business with God? Maybe you need to confess and just say, God, I've been running my own life. I've been chasing my own desires, my own ways. Maybe some of you teenagers, maybe you've been struggling with your parents and struggling with all the rules and regulations. Maybe it's just simply you need to surrender to the Lord today, teenagers. Are you a follower of Christ? allow the Spirit of God to deal with your heart right now but move from conviction and move to commitment no longer be a follower a fan but be a follower and if you're here today and you don't know the Lord you're concerned where you would go if you walked out of this building and you lost, your natural life. You will live for eternity. But which place will you spend it? I want to help you find Christ. And if the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, when we release the service today, I want you to come up to me. I'm going to stay right here. I don't want people coming up and talking to me. I don't want people to visit with me. I just, I'm going to stay right here on the stool. And if you're here today, and you're wanting to recommit yourself to the Lord, maybe you've committed yourself to God, but you've wandered away, I want to help you. I'll have the altar team up here with me as well. It won't just be me. I'm hoping there's more than one or two. But Here's what I ask you, is if you'll take your conversation out into the foyer, but if the Lord's still dealing with you and you're needing to get things right, stay in your seat and let everybody else leave. but let's do business with the Lord and let's, let's define the relationship right now and let's make a commitment to Christ. Let's become warriors for Him, following Him in Jesus' name. Father, I just release the rest and I pray, God, that You would go with us as we honor our mothers today. May our mothers become true disciples and followers after You and may they truly become those who teach and instruct others in Your ways. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. God bless you. If I could have the altar ministry team come up. If there's anybody here I can pray with you and you need help, please let me help you.